Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, my name is James and this is the 92 Podcast. Each episode will shine the spotlight on one of the 92 teams that make up the top four leagues in English League football. Talking to their fans, playing silly games and quizzes and learning what it's like to be a supporter of their team. In this episode, our focus is on League One side, Doncaster Rovers. We were playing those teams on a regular basis and to feel that grasp slipping away, it felt, I'm not going to lie, it felt awful. It felt really, really awful. I think having that stability through a close season, us as Rovers fans have not had that for a few seasons now with Darren Ferguson leaving, Grant McCann leaving, so to have that stability and that continuity from one season to the next, I think will stand us in good stead. I nicknamed him the Irish Messi, and I used to do an <laughs> Irish accent, but I think it can just go, it can just, it can go to Rotherham and just, you know, bye-bye. So long as we're challenging for top six place, I think everyone will be pretty pleased this season considering everything. We'll hear more from those Doncaster fans towards the end of the episode. Now, the extent of my knowledge of Doncaster Rovers is that they play in League One, they're based in South Yorkshire, and they have a red and white hooped kit. Besides that, all I know about Doncaster as a city is that a train station used to get me home from uni, and it's got a nice KFC next to it within Frenchgate Shopping Centre. Luckily, I've got Doncaster Rovers fan Aaron joining me on this episode, and hopefully he can help me to learn a little bit more about Doncaster Rovers. Hello Aaron, welcome to the 92 Podcast. Thank you very much for having me, much appreciated. How are you doing today? I'm not doing too bad, thank you. Uh, Getting ready for today's game, of course. Yeah, so we're recording this about an hour before Doncaster kick-off at MK Dons. Are you excited for the season? Very excited, very optimistic and uh, got a real hope for this season, absolutely. So how long have you been a Doncaster fan? Have you been a fan all your life? Pretty much all my life, yeah. I first started supporting them way back around the 2004. So this was, you know, the last couple of years of our old stadium the Bellevue and you know seeing the old players play and just having those early memories of Bellevue and you know one of my earliest big memories of Bellevue was the last game at the stadium when the lights went out for the last time and deep down I kind of knew it was an end of an era and then moving into the keep mode that's mostly what I've known throughout my lifetime as a fan. So I was going to ask you about that a little bit later on but I might as well ask you now do you prefer Bellevue or do you prefer keep mode? I prefer the keep moat because it's it's a sign of the times and it's a sign we're moving forward as a club because, you know, no disrespect to Bellevue, but it was a vi- very vintage stadium. It was very, you know, old fashioned where with the keep moat, with the capacity we've got, we've got more or less a Premier League style capacity where we can reach those levels compared to Bellevue. So that's why I kind of prefer the new stadium to the old one. What's the atmosphere like at home when Doncaster play? Oh, it's it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It's a it's a real family club, and you know a lot of families come to the family stand. We have the atmosphere with the uh, fans behind the goals as well, and you know overall it was just a collective fan base, home and away. To be fair, do you get to many away games? Obviously, you can't at the moment due to uh, coronavirus. But do you go to many Doncaster away games? Um, not as much. It's more the home games, really. But hopefully, when fans are back in the stadiums, I am, you know, aiming to try and get out to more more away games and try and do this, you know, as a more full time kind of thing. Yeah, I think I think that's the same case for a lot of football fans at the moment. We've been deprived of football in stadiums for so long that now it's back, and we're kind of looking ahead to the future when we get into stadiums. I know 
for myself i i can't wait to get back into blundell park in grimsby but also to go on a lot more away days as well yeah same here other than doncaster being your hometown team what is it that makes supporting doncaster rovers unique to you i think it's just the progression of the club and i think supporting a club that's got a fantastic ownership that and, and to be fair, I've said this in the past in previous occasions, I think our ownership sometimes puts even the big Premier League clubs to shame, like the West Hams and the Newcastle, because it, we've got an owner that will listen to the fans, that will tell us exactly what's going on, they won't sell us any rubbish, they'll actually tell us what's going on there and then, and they will you know, tell us what's happening with the club without, you know, stalling information over the last couple of weeks. So it's an ownership that's trusting, that's um, very truthful with us from the beginning. And that's what it's like as a supporter. It's, it's good to have a club that's being run by a board that cares about the fans and the football and not just the business side of things. So it's a good relationship between the fans, the players and the board then? Absolutely. It doesn't feel like the board's above the players and the board's above the fans. It feels like we're all on one level playing field in a way. And I think we could be an example to many top division clubs. What are your favourite moments from supporting Doncaster Rovers? Oh, so many. Um, I mean, in recent times, at beating Southend 7-1 last season, I mean, that was a highlight result for me. Uh, in terms of looking at... Uh, the broad end of things, I think the, the, the playoff semi-final, uh, second leg at the Keepmo, uh, coincidentally against Southend United, 5-1. Uh, we got to Wembley, we ended up getting promoted to the Championship for the first time in 50 years against Leeds United in that final. So, uh, you know, that semi-final second leg will always stand out along with the final. The Johnson's Paint Trophy final, it was the first major trophy we won when we came under the brand new ownership of, of John Ryan that had only been in the club for a few years at that point. Um, because before then, we were for, the, for, the, for, for around a two, three year period, we were in a complete turmoil in the late 90s under the ownership of Ken Richardson and under the combined management, shall we say, of, of Mark Weaver and Danny Bagara. But, you know, we were in a horrible mess. We had an ownership that took away all his financial interest. We had uh, the funeral on the last game of the season. We had a pitch invasion. We had, you know, players going off the pitch and not being allowed to, you know, come back and support the fans until the supporters actually called for the players. We had an on-pitch, you know, protest against the owners and then... You know, we had the rumours of Anton Johnson. Uh, he was known by the, at the time in the 90s as the Jim will fix it of football. So, you know, at, at the time, you know, he was the the king of clubs, she would say. He was also nicknamed the king of clubs. So at the time, in the 90s, obviously I wasn't born back then, but I look back at those times and he was probably one of our best bets at the time because there was no other interest. Then John Ryan came along. And since then, things like the Johnson Paint Trophy final against Bristol Rovers at the Millennium Stadium and different matches like that in the championship in League One, getting promoted from League Two after that season uh, in the fourth tier. It, some of those memories do live long and it all turned around when the great John Ryan took over this club from the dire ownership of Ken Richardson. And we moved forward as a club and getting those trophies after trophies and having, you know, great managers like the Dean Saunders and the Sean O'Driscolls. So, you know, we move forward as a club and that's something I'll always take with me as memories. Never a dull day supporting Doncaster Rovers then, but what are your worst moments of being a Doncaster fan? I think you touched on a few of them there, but... 
relegation to League Two a couple of, a few years ago. I mean, that was. I mean, we had Darren Ferguson to try and take us to the end of the season at least, but that was a dire season. There's another bad. I won't say bad memory. I'd say it was a bad memory in, in terms of we got relegated from the Championship to League One, and then of course we had that season in the Championship and never came back to the Championship again to this current day. But the first relegation from the Championship to League One back at the start of the previous decade. Um, it was bad because we got relegated, but I kind of say it wasn't as bad as what it could have been because at that time, as was Willie Mackay, and we were we were trying this international kind of transfer route where we were signing Pascal Chimbonda, El Hajjouf, we were signing loads of these international talents. So we tried to go a more European and international route with the transfer business and try and uh, try and compete with the European field squads of the Premiership and the top table of the Championship. And it just didn't work. And, you know, even though you could say it was a bad memory because we got relegated in the end, Championship dream was over. At the same time, I kind of praise the club for trying something different. It might not have worked, but it's it's proof that the old ownership was trying something different. So, you know, when we got the, the chairman, David Blunt, in, uh, a few years ago I was like well what's he going to change this time and to be fair the transfer activity we've done this season and over the past couple of seasons has been different to what we've done in the past but again this time compared to the European stuff it seems to have worked. So you mentioned there that some of your worst memories of being a Doncaster fan are the relegations now there's obviously a lot of clubs in the 92 that have been relegated but there's a select few that might not have been relegated how does it feel getting relegated? It feels awful because when you're in a higher league like the championship, when you're one step away from the Premier League, which has always been my my long-term goal in 10, 15, 20 years' time to be a Premier League club, it it feels bad when you get relegated and you sort of feel that gap slipping away. I mean, when we got relegated to League 2, that was even worse because we were one division away from non-league football again. You know, I didn't feel that bad at the time because I knew we had the squad capable of getting promoted back up at the first time of asking, even though we did, you know, bottle it to a Hartlepool side that ended up getting relegated to the conference anyway. So we bottled the title in that season. But getting relegated from the championship felt awful because we were one step away from the Premier League and it just fell out of our grasp. It was just that one season that just didn't work for us. And I know a lot of different teams that, you know, are Premier League teams now, like the Crystal Palaces and, you know, former Premier League teams like the Derbys and the Middlesbroughs, you know, we were playing those teams on a regular basis. And to feel that gasp, to feel that grasp slipping away, it felt, I'm not going to lie, it felt awful. It felt really, really awful. So Doncaster are currently in League One. Do you think that that's a tough league to get out of when you look at the likes of, you know, you've got Sunderland, you've got Portsmouth, you've got Hull as some of the more bigger names in there. Is it difficult to get out of League One? On the one hand, yes, it's very, very difficult at times because you've got a very competitive league. And I've said this in the past this summer, I think this season is going to be one of the most competitive League Ones uh, in so many years and a lot of pundits over on the mainstream media have said this is going to be one of the toughest League One seasons in years because there's not going to be much of a points difference if anyone's going to win the title this year it'll only be by a couple of points because you've got to look at teams like us uh, I know Gillingham and Bristol Rovers have made some very good signings Burton Albion's done some good recruitment this year so there's and Lincoln to be fair as well and Plymouth coming up as well from League Two. So there's a lot of sides that have recruited well to to do well in League One. And you look at it and say it's very competitive because the big teams like Hull, Wigan, Charlton, Sunderland and to an extent Portsmouth 
have got backroom problems in the ownership. I know Portsmouth maybe not too much ownership problems compared to the likes of Hull, Charlton and Wigan and Sunderland, but I think that if Portsmouth don't get promoted this season, I do think Kenny Jackett will get sacked. But looking at the other four big teams in there, Charlton, Wigan, Hull, Sunderland, they've got ownership problems. And I said, I don't think they're getting promoted. So I think you've got to look then at the other clubs that are in line for promotion, the, the teams like Gillingham, who could be an under, underdog for promotion. Doncaster Rovers were written off straight away. And I think people are starting to look at us again with the recruitment we've made, thinking, hang on a minute, they've actually done some good recruitment. They could be within a chance now. Um, Bristol Rovers, like I said, Bristol Rovers, Burton Albion, they've done some fantastic signings. Lincoln, I mean, they've, they've tried to recuperate after the Cowley brothers left a couple of years ago for Huddersfield. So I think that it's going to be very competitive. And I think that with the big teams like the Hull and the Charlton's and the Wiggins having bad ownership problems, yes, it's bad for them, but other teams are looking at that like us and think they've got backroom problems that could affect them on field. We've got a decent shot here. So last season, Doncaster finished ninth after a vote to end the season and used the maybe controversial points per game system to decide the final standings. Did you, as a Rovers fan, think that was a fair way to end the season and decide it? Well, looking at the table and we had a couple of games in hand and we could have been level on points with the playoff places and probably gone ahead if they'd slipped up in a game they could have played. So obviously on the base of it, you could be angry, but in another way... I didn't think we had the squad capable of winning those playoffs. So in a way, I was kind of happy because I think we could recuperate over the summer and get back to winning ways again. And whatever way you end the season, there's always going to be at least one unhappy person. No one's going to be 100% happy with one decision. So I think that, you know, Peterborough fans were very unhappy about the points per game system because it cost them promotion According with Wickham. Of course, that ended up winning the playoffs. So P- Peterborough must be double the anger right now. Absolutely. Because it could have been them. And I think that, you know, I mean, there was reports that Peterborough's chairman was going to quit if, you know, they didn't get promoted. And, you know, I think he's still there, fortunately. But I think that no one was going to be happy with one system. I think it had to end somewhere. And I think that... If you choose a points per game, yes, some people might not be happy with it, but I think if there's no other way to complete the season, then I think it was the best way forward. But at the same time, with the championship continuing, I put I put most of the blame on COVID because it's you know it's affected the world, it's dominated the headlines, it's you know affected our way of life. But in terms of the way the season ended and the fact that the championship had been allowed to continue. Yeah. I would put some of the blame on the EFL, the same EFL that let these uh, big clubs in League One go under bad ownership and let these ownerships pass a very controversial fit and proper person's test. The EFL have been held accountable for some of that. And I think that's because um, with the points per game system, I think that the EFL let the championship go ahead because that's the league that's bringing the most money in. But I don't feel satisfied with that. It's, it's the same when they introduced the salary caps for League One and League Two this summer. I think that that's not. And I know that's going to restrict the big clubs from spending a lot of money compared to littler clubs in League One and League Two. At the same time, the Premier League, the Championship, League One and League Two are all part of the same pyramid. And so, I always felt that the the big thing that I wanted to see in football is to see all four leagues uh, of professional football taken in uh, to one company to have one league owned by one group billions and billions of pounds and all four leagues have got an equal amount to spend because then i think it then the gap won't widen because i feel like the premier league and the championship are 
sort of racing away from League One and League Two. So I think that the League One and League Two deserve some respect because they bring a lot of passion compared to the Premier League. And, you know, you've got to look at Man City as an example, you know, with the, the old stadium and before the, the Saudi Arabian group came in, they were unpredictable. And now it just looks like there's no atmosphere and they just win every week. And, you know, I think, you know, we need to put sport back into sport and keep the business side out of it. Absolutely. So looking ahead to Doncaster's season then, how's the preparations been going? Have you made many new signings? Absolutely. Um, we started well with Jason Lakilo. We were a bit unhappy that sadly uh, rejected the new contract, so we knew he was going to go. Uh, and we did put blame on Moore for not trying to keep him quicker and letting him run down the contract. And, the, you know, the, the contract was there but we just didn't accept it. So, And then he went and joined our South Yorkshire rivals, Rotherham, which, to be fair, to Rovers fans, I think that's the ultimate betrayal. So I think sadly it can... You know, I, I always nicknamed, I nicknamed him the Irish Messi, and I always used to do an <laughs> Irish accent for... I did an Irish accent for it, the Irish Messi, but I think he can just go... He can just... He can go to Rotherham and just, you know, bye-bye. So we got Lakilo in, and then obviously, obviously we knew other players were not were being let go. We knew Kiwoma was going. Uh, we knew that uh, Reeves Bucott was going, who's a good youngster, by the way. Uh, Alex Baptiste, good veteran defender, but I think injury last season cost him a place. You know, and Kiwoma's gone to Turkey now. He's gone to a club called Fatih Kalagamuk. I think that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> Reeves has gone to Cleethorpe, so that's some good non-league experience for him. Baptiste's gone to Bolton, so he's going to be part of the whole revitalization project we've loaned out Lawler to Oldham in League Two so good goalkeeper for League Two uh, so when we just brought Lakilo in especially with the players that we sold and of course we had loads of loanees last season as well like Yadiang, Shave, John, Ennis to, to name a few um, we needed a lot of squad depth that was the big thing for me this summer squad depth and trying to fill those positions um, and we brought in some decent players. In terms of permanent transfers, Ed Williams, I've had a lot of convinced the Harrier fans messaging me saying that he is a fantastic player, deserves to have a better squad around him. So, you know, hopefully we can we can bring him that. Uh, Cameron John, now I was very surprised about this. I thought he was just going to be another loan because I saw a report that we were still in contact with, with Cameron John, Niall Ennis and Jacob Ramsey from Wolves and Aston Villa, respectively. But when I saw that we'd signed him on a two-year undisclosed fee on a two-year contract, I was like, well, how in the world have we got that one done? Because he's a youngster with so much potential at a Premier League club. Why would you let him go? You know, when I think about it, I kind of not feel sorry for Wolves on that side of things. I kind of feel uh, great for us because, you know, we've got a, got, we've got a Premier League youngster yeah. for a nominal fee on a two-year contract. And then just recently, we brought in Andy Butler on a short-term contract till January. After a five-year split, he went to Scunthorpe last season and then got released. So we brought him in till January at least. So that's some good veteran leadership at the back and a good experienced defender and a good a good voice in the dressing room uh, to have to support the youngsters. And then loanees. I think I said at the start of this summer, I think one thing we need to do is bring in a new goalkeeper with Lawler out on loan and Dian gone back to QPR to compete for a place in the first team. You know, we needed a new goalkeeper because all we have was the youth academy keeper, Lewis Jones. We brought in Bursic, highly rated England C team goalkeeper. Loads of potential, could be Stokes number one ahead of Butland in the future. So I think that, you know, from Stoke City on a season loan deal, I'll take it. Taylor Richards, alone from Brighton, good attacking. He can play all around that centre midfield, so I've got a very versatile centre midfielder there. 
rumoured talks of a permanent move if it goes well. So, I mean, if he shows exciting signs that he does sign a permanent move, I'll be very happy with that one. And then just recently, we got two brilliant, brilliant strikers on loan. Tulloch from West Brom, very exciting. Got that Darren Moore-West Brom connection already. And uh, John Jules from Arsenal. So with the Arsenal setup already with Mikel Arteta, I think that, you know, we've got two very exciting strikers in John Jules and Tulloch. And I think one massive thing that we had to do was keep Ben Whiteman. And, you know, we received bids from Barnsley, from Sheffield Wednesday. It was Hull City last season. We've kept Ben Whiteman. I do worry that we'll be riding our luck with keeping Ben Whiteman and he might go next season. But if we can get promoted and get championship football, that could give Ben Whiteman a reason to stay. And of course, you know, this season's a massive season because it's James Coppinger's last season. So this season's going to be a, a, a very emotional one because I've seen Coppinger play at Bellevue. I've seen him, you know, play in the days of the keep mode. So I think that, you know, Coppinger's been an incredible player for us. So it'd be very sad to see him go at the end of the season. And one big thing the club does well, and I think this links to potentially a Premier League future in 10, 15 years' time, is that we've become a bit of a feeder club for Premier League. And to be fair, you know, people say it won't work out. I think that, you know, we loaned players like Cameron John and Jacob Ramsey in last season. We got Cameron John in a permanent deal now. So, you know, if we get these highly rated Premier League youngsters on loan for a season, I think we'd be first dibs on a permanent contract in a year or two time. And I think that... There was a report a few, about a month ago now, even Manchester United's staff came out and said we treat our loanies well because we were interested in Kovar and James Garner. You know, the, the fact that Man United have come out and said we treat our loanies well, that shows you getting attention. And you know, like I said earlier, I think the bookies wrote us off because of the squad depth we had for getting promoted this season. I think the bookies need to start looking again at Rovers and say, well, hang on a minute, they've got some very exciting talent. Looking at the cup competitions, Doncaster are out of the Carabao Cup now, aren't they? How do you fancy your chances in the other two trophies, so the EFL Trophy and the FA Cup? I really do feel as if the the EFL Cup, I know a lot of people were like, well, it's one less fixture, we move on. But I think, you know, on the plus side of that with the Blackburn game, I think even though we did lose, which I'm not very happy about because I do think that, you know, we could do something good in that competition or we could could have done something good. I think that we did show signs against Blackburn, and they're a cha- they're a mid-table to playoff championship team, so we, we 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 have to take them seriously, and we did. You know, great goal from Magic Gomez, great play all around from the from the team. And in terms of the EFL trophy, I mean, we we drew with Bradford nil nil one four one on penalties, so we kind of scraped that one a bit. Uh, still got to play the un- the Wolves under twenty one squad and Oldham Athletic, so I think that. Oldham will beat them, whether it's penalties or victory in 90 minutes, will beat them. Wolves, under 21, under 23 squad, that's going to be a good one because, of course, Cameron John's hopefully playing against them. So I think that, you know, we can prove why they shouldn't have sold Cameron John. So the Earfall Trophy, hopefully we do get past that first knockout stage. With the FA Cup, I think we've got the talent necessary to try and cause some giant killings. I think that with the competition we saw against Blackburn in the EFL Cup, and I think the way we've played in the preseason against teams like Bradford and Derby, I think that we can cause some shocks in the FA Cup, and I think people aren't going to write us off too much. And, uh, you know, hopefully we do have a brilliant season ahead. And I I think that, you know, we are, I think in terms of cup competition, we are probably one of the favourites to do a giant killing, in my opinion, because we've got loads of pacey young talent and I think we can break teams down and we've had a history of causing some giant killings whether it's the FA Cup or the League Cup I mean, when we 
Uh, we took Arsenal to penalties. We knocked out Aston Villa. We knocked out Manchester City back in the day. So we can knock out these teams. We can cause some giant killings to these teams because we've done it in the past. Excellent. So the final point in this part of the podcast is about your manager, Darren Moore. He's been with you guys for just over a year now. How are things going with him at the helm? Darren Moore, I have to tell you now, I think he's probably the best manager we've had since Sean O'Driscoll. And I say that uh, with a lot of confidence because, one, he's a former player, so he knows the club inside out. He's a, I mean, he was inducted, I think, this year into the Doncaster Rovers Hall of Fame. So he's a former player. He knows the club inside out. He knows how to play the way he wants to play. And he signed the talent that plays the way he plays. And when you sign the right players in that game style, then you've got a team that clicks together. The second thing is he's got not only championship experience, but he's also got Premier League experience. And when Darren Moore was sacked by West Brom, a lot of West Brom fans were not happy with that because they felt they could turn it around with Darren Moore at the helm. They felt they could turn the situation around. Obviously, West Brom fans aren't really complaining much now because they're in the Premier League now. But I think that... You know, Darren Moore left and West Brom fans didn't want him to leave. They got, he got sacked and they, they didn't want him to get sacked. So, you know, we've got a manager with Premier League and Championship experience. He's got a good record. We've got to remember West Brom relegated from the Premier League in Darren Moore's caretaker spell because they didn't do it themselves. They kept getting the good results to get them back in the hunt for relegation survival. It was all the results that went there that went against them. So, you know, it wasn't West Brom that relegated themselves. It was you know, other teams relegating West Brom at the time. So I think that Darren Moore's a very capable manager. He he knows that he knows the Premier League and the Championship inside out. So I think that, you know, we've got a good manager here that plays out from the back, plays quick football with very quick players that we've got in the squad now. And, you know, we have got a very good season ahead of us, in my opinion, with Darren Moore. I think, you know, yes, we missed out on the playoffs last season, but... I do think that we will get inside, maybe even potentially underdogs for automatics this season because we've got a manager that plays the right way. We've got a, a fan base that's fully supporting the manager. I think that uh, with Darren Moore at the helm, I think that we are probably in, in a greater position than we've ever been. I think we're in a greater position. So you're definitely knowledgeable about Doncaster, which is great. And we're going to test that knowledge in a little while with our fan quiz. But you actually run your own YouTube channel about Doncaster, don't you? Tell us a little bit about that. I do, yeah. So I do cover uh, the Premier League Championship and League 2 along with British Basketball as well. Uh, but mainly the content is Doncaster Rovers. I want to. Uh, I was inspired by AFTV, who are the Arsenal Fan TV channel, uh, led by uh, Don Robbie, with people such as D- DT Troops, tie you know loads of great fans that have got their own opinions and not afraid to speak their opinions i know a lot of uh mainstream media have been critical of fan channels and saying they're not the future and i, I, I saw the headline when you know troops was going to leave AFTV for barstool sports and you know mainstream media kind of spinning it trying to you know clickbait and you know i don't understand why people have got like the mainstream media have got a problem with fan channels because they are the future and they're giving fans a voice they're making fans part of the game again so you know with lower league i want to be a good voice for lower league football not just Doncaster Rovers, but other teams as well i want to give you know fans a voice i want to give lower league coverage the respect it deserves because i think it's been kind of misled since the the collapse of itv digital back in uh, the early 2000s and I think that 
Um, doing the Dogster Rovers content, I mean, just recently, Matty Blair watched one of the videos. He was a former player. Now he's gone, <laughs> wow. to, he's gone, to, gone to Cheltenham now. And he, re- I, I tweeted the video link and he replied saying, watch sticks. I did like a, a goodbye message because he was yeah. going to Cheltenham. And he said, thank you very much. Watched it, mate. Uh, kind words mean a lot. So to have that kind of feedback from Matty Blair, have the support of people like, and I want to say this now, Bobby Kasanga, who runs his semi-professional club Hackney Wick in London. Yeah. But he's part of the Blood Brothers League, so it's like a football fan league with AFTV, DTFC and things like that. To also have support from Broads, who's an, who plays for AFTV FC, and to have support from other people as well. And, you know, Jason Lakilo replied to a message on Instagram saying thanks for your uh, good luck messages going into a pre-season match. I think that having all that support on board Bobby from AFTV from Ultimate Football Fan to have all that support is driving me on and to have all the comments about you know great report great videos it's really spurring me on to have that attention I'm building a career for myself and I'm building a recognition for myself my aim has not been to earn money from it my aim was not to be famous from it I, if I was if I was famous then fair enough but my main aim for doing it is be a role model to people and try and inspire people to create their own content and to be inspired by different passions. You know, I've had fans messaging me constantly. I've had at least one message a day now. Uh, before it was like one message every few months or something from a fan. Now it's at least one message every single day from a fan. To have that kind of recognition already, I'm not going to lie, it feels brilliant. Good. Well, best of luck with it. Um, how can we find you if people are trying to look for your content on YouTube? Uh, so on YouTube, uh, the Donkster Rovers content is on a channel called Chal. If you want to find me on other social medias, my Instagram is Aaron Channer Official, at Aaron Channer Official. Twitter is uh, Aaron underscore Chal. Excellent. So I think I know a little bit more about Doncaster Rovers now, but it's time to see how much you know, Aaron, about your own club and about football in general. Now, I'm a little bit scared about this because I know that some of the answers uh, to these questions you've already covered. We had 10 out of 10 on on the first episode we did with Barrett, and I honestly think you'll get 10 of these as well. So it's 10 questions, five about Doncaster and five about football in the 92 in general. And uh, I've been trawling through the Wikipedia page for Doncaster. So let's see. Are you ready, Aaron? Let's do this. Question one. Who was Doncaster's top scorer last season? Kieran Sadlier. Yes. Which fellow League One club play their games at Priestfield? Uh, Gillingham. Yes. James Coppinger has made a lot of appearances for Doncaster, but for which Premier League team did he start his career, making only one substitute appearance? Newcastle United. Yes. Which club currently holds the record for the most relegations from the Premier League? West Brom. No, it was Norwich. Oh. Question 5. Doncaster's last appearance at Wembley was in the League One playoff final in 2008, but who did they beat 1-0 to secure promotion to the Championship? Leeds United. Yes. Which League One club holds the record for the highest single match attendance for League One achieved on Boxing Day in 2018? That would be Sunderland. It was. Which former Rovers chairman holds the record for the oldest footballer to make a professional appearance at the age of 52? Oh, uh, John Ryan? Yes. Birmingham City retired the shirt number of Jude Bellingham after his transfer to Borussia Dortmund in July, but what number was his shirt? <laughs> Um, oh God, it's between two. Um, I'm going to go with 18. No, it was 22. Oh, 
No! Was, was that the other one you were thinking of? It was! <laughs> <laughs> Which defender took the reins as caretaker manager back in 2015 when Paul Dickhoff left Doncaster? Was it Rob Jones? It was indeed. Former Grimsby player. And finally, how many yards is the penalty spot from the goal line? Oh, five? No, it's 12. Ah, oh, yeah. So, so I make that 8 out of 10, which isn't too bad, actually. I thought you were going to get 10, but 8 isn't too bad. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was West Brom with the most relegations, and I thought the penalty spot was much closer than I thought it was. So we're going to um, fire through some quick season predictions now. We've been doing this for the last episode, and we're going to do it on this one as well. And we might join you at the end of the season just to see how good or bad you've done. So there's five of them. Who is going to win the Premier League? Okay, so I mean, I've had this, I've had this massive discussion about this, but, but looking at my table, I've got Chelsea to win the league because I feel like Lampard has done a lot of fantastic recruitment this season. I think that bringing in the likes of Timo Werner from from Leipzig, Kai Havertz from Bayern Leverkusen, Chilwell is a fantastic signing, and the fact that getting Malang Sarr, who's a good young centre back, and Thiago Silva, who's a veteran centre back on a free transfer from both clubs. I tell you what, Frank Lampard, got to give him credit for that. And I know a lot of people have slagged off Chelsea about not winning the league this year. I think it'll, people are thinking it's Liverpool or Man City, but I think Chelsea are going to be dark horses this year. Uh, who is going to win the championship? Championship? Um, again, this is a tough one. Uh, Cause I think there's a, there's a good two, three, four clubs that could win it. Um, I'm going to go with, Bournemouth. I think Brentford will go up as well, but I think Bournemouth are going to win it because I think that instead of getting this European manager like Watford's got, uh, like Reading's got, I think that them bringing in the assistant to Eddie Howe, Jason Tindall, I think it's a pretty much a like-for-like replacement, even though there's no real managerial experience compared to Eddie Howe, compared to Jason Tindall. I think that he's kept, uh, he's, he's had to sell on the players that he's had to sell to stay. I think that uh, they've got some players in. I think that Bournemouth's got the spine of the squad and I think Bournemouth will uh, com- will come back up. I think they were unlucky to get relegated. But I always like Bournemouth. I think that they're a good little club. I think they're a brilliant story. Like Wickham, I think they're a brilliant story. So I think Bournemouth will go back up as champions. OK, this is the interesting one. Are you going to be bold and say Doncaster are going to win-, win League One? Or are you going to be honest and give me an honest answer as who's going to win League One? I'm going to be completely honest. Doncaster Rovers, I think they're underdogs for automatic promotion and possibly the title. I think we could cause a lot of surprises this season. I think we've, I think the main thing we've got to do this season is get some consistency. We've got to get a lot of a bit of a winning streak on our hands to do that. But I think thinking about it realistically, I think there's there's a couple of sides that are, are just as strong, if not stronger, than Rovers. And I'm going to go with Oxford to win the league because I think okay. they were very very unlucky to lose that playoff final. I think Peterborough could be in the mix as well as, you know, Gillingham uh, maybe as underdogs as well, but I think we're looking at Oxford, Peterborough, Donny Rovers. But I think Oxford. And then finally, out of the 92, who is going to win League 2? Uh, again, very underrated prediction because I think there's a couple of clubs in the mix, but I think if I had to decide, I think one club that I think has got the, the edge above the rest is... I'm sort of deciding between two. It's between Cheltenham, where Matty Blair's gone to join Alfie May, and Forest Green Rovers, because I think they're a good little club from non-league, and I think that under Mark Cooper they've done a terrific job. But I'm going to go with Forest Green. I think they've just got that edge. No! 
You meant to say Grimsby, Aaron. Come on. I, no, I, no. To be fair, to be fair, with Grimsby, I think that Ian Holloway's done a fantastic recruitment job, and I think they will be in the hunt for promotion. But I just think Forest Green will yeah. just edge you. I think it will be close, like League One. I think it will be just by a couple of points on the last day. I think that Mark Cooper's done some brilliant stuff with that squad over the last couple of years, and I think that Forest Green have just got the edge. But I think Grimsby under Ian Holloway are definitely in the promotion race because they've gone and made some fantastic signings as well. I agree. Now, I, well, I wasn't being very realistic saying Grimsby were going to win the league. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think we will push there. But yeah, um, I kind of agree with a Forest Green prediction there. The final one is where will Doncaster finish? A definitive answer as to where they're going to finish in League One. Definitive. Uh, okay, so, I mean, if we're going for a broad prediction, I'd say between second and fifth. Yeah. I'm going to be, you know what, I'm going to be a bit bit gambly and i'm gonna say second i think we're gonna get automatic promotion we will join back up with aaron towards the end of the season to see how those predictions have gone now the end of each episode is your chance to voice your views on your club all you need to do is send us a clip of you talking about your club whether it be your thoughts on how the season is going your thoughts on transfers or even just to tell us that your club is the finest football team the world has ever seen. You can send your clips to the 92podcast at gmail.com. Make sure to include your name and the team you support. This week, we heard from Adam, who's the lead writer of Into the Empty Net, which is a Doncaster Rovers fan site, and Doncaster Rovers vlogger 18 Dapper. There's a lot of optimism around Doncaster Rovers this season. We've got a talented young squad, and after a year in charge, Darren Moore is building a, a very nice philosophy around the club. Um, the core of the team is really strong. Tom Anderson's a top defender for this level. If we can keep hold of Ben Whiteman, then we've probably got the best playmaker in the league as well. Um, Fijiri Okanabiri looks like a striker who is going to get the goals. And if we can just add a couple more pieces to the team, then yeah, there's no reason why we can't push for a playoff place once again. It is also the last season of James Coppinger's long career with us, and to go out on a high after so many strong years in the shirt would be fantastic. But I think. So long as we're challenging for a top six place, I think everyone will be pretty pleased this season considering everything. Hi guys, 18 Dapper here and I'd just like to thank the 92 podcast for inviting me onto this podcast to talk about Doncaster Rovers. Starting with recruitment, I think Darren Moore's done a fantastic job bringing Cameron John back after the loan spell last season, showed potential last season. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he progresses this year. Um, Other additions such as Andy Butler, I think he adds experience to a squad which is very young we've got as I've just said a very young squad but I think there's plenty of potential there and it's going to be exciting football Joseph Bursic in goal England under 21 replacing Seni Dieng who was on loan last season hopefully he's a ball playing keeper like Seni Dieng was last year so the recruitment I think has been positive especially in tough times Uh, the pandemic has put a stop to a lot of things in football. But to see some quality additions like we have had is very promising from a fan's point of view. Darren Moore, very happy that he's still in the club. I think having that stability through a close season, us as Rovers fans have not had that for a few seasons now with Darren Ferguson leaving, Grant McCann leaving. So to have that stability and that continuity from one season to the next, I think will standards in good stead this season his philosophy is starting to show through his style of play is starting to show through as well and I think we can be looking forward to some good football this year but I think it's going to be more 
defensive-minded and potentially looking to hit teams on the break. I think as a season as a whole, I expect us to have a solid season. I don't think we're going to be pulling up any sort of trees towards the top end of the table, but I don't think we're going to be struggling with a a relegation battle as well. I've put us in 10th for the end of the season, but with a few more additions, with the quality that that Darren's already brought in, I could see us with a potential push for playoffs, but I'm not kind of setting my expectations at that height this season because I think we've got to give Darren more time to get the squad to the level that he's wanting and to see the football played that he's wanting us to play. There's there's signs of it, but I think it's going to be a project that takes a little bit more time. So I'm going for a solid mid-table finish for the Rovers this season with a potential push for playoffs. It's going to be nice to hopefully be back in the ground and watch Coppinger in his final season, an absolute legend for the club, 16 seasons, and he has just got better and better as time's gone on. Um, So yeah, hopefully fans will be allowed back in the stadium so that we can watch Coppinger play in his final season and give him the send-off that he definitely deserves. I think it's going to be a steady one, I think it's going to be a consistent one, and I think we're going to finish solid mid-table in 10th position I'm 18 Dapper, please go to my YouTube channel, check it out, subscribe. There's match day vlogs, match previews, but the main focus is Doncaster Rovers content. So if you're interested in that, please hit the subscribe button. And that is the end of this episode of the podcast. Thank you to Aaron for talking to us, as well as Adam and 18 Dapper for sending their thoughts. And of course, thank you for listening. If you'd like to get involved with the 92 podcast and talk about your club, find us on Twitter and Instagram at the 92 podcast or email us at the 92 podcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the 92 podcast wherever it is that you found this episode. Next time, we'll be looking at another club in the 92. See you then.